So today is our first Sunday of 40 Days of Faith, our Lenten practice that we do around here. And during this time, we're taking a look at Jesus' most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to take a closer look at it and see how it can be a roadmap for a new, full, wonderful life. Charles is going to kick off this series. Let's welcome him. Here's Charles. Welcome, everyone. Today, we start off our season of Lent. You guys know Lent, yeah? It's uh, traditionally six weeks leading up to Easter that Christians have used to fast and pray, push into God. Around here, we use it as a faith experiment to see if God will answer our prayers. We encourage you to come up with a big ask, something you cannot do for yourself. And um, we see... Amazing amount of answers to prayer, more than we have any right to expect. So can I just read you a couple of stories from the past when we've had some of these, uh, some of these stories? Yeah, okay. So one person wrote, I have been actively looking for job opportunities in New York for the past two years and nothing had worked out. For these 40 days of faith, one of the things I was praying for was a job and a firm that would be willing to petition for my visa. So that makes it hard because, uh, you know, they don't want to do that for us. <laughs> this past week, I got a job offer with a firm I am excited to work for. How many of us have a job that we are really excited for, right? That's a, that's just a miracle, right? And they will be applying for my work visa. Yeah, that's the kind of prayer we need, answers to prayer. This is something I couldn't have done on my own. I had an amazing community of friends and family praying with me. That has encouraged me greatly. It's been my big ask. God has been good to me. That's an all-around good experience, right? Praying with others. Feel like you're cared for and God cares for you. That's a good one. Another one said, During the 40 days of faith, I prayed for a suicidal friend who had been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. Have you guys heard of chronic fatigue syndrome? I had a friend in college who had chronic fatigue. And it's awful. You just can't get up. Just can't really. You're just so tired all the time for some reason. So this is an awful situation. He suffered from it for 20, 30 years. It's not easy to get rid of. It's a very difficult uh, medical uh, syndrome. Uh, people don't really understand clearly why it happens even. So it's a difficult situation. About halfway through the 40 days, she suddenly ceased to experience the symptoms she had been dealing with. Constant fatigue, no will to live, depression, unbearable despair, all went away. Now that is a miracle. (laughs) My God. That's incredible. And to this day, those problems are gone. She is a healthy, lovely young wife, a mother of two, and one of my closest friends. Thank God for her ability to live and enjoy her life. Isn't that great? These are incredibly good stories, right? Big asks, big answers to prayer, very encouraging. And this is why we encourage you to come up with something you cannot do for yourself and push into God and see what happens because lots of people experience lots of answers to prayer. Now, having said that, 
having said that, more people experience disappointment than this kind of incredible answers to prayer. You know why? Because we are praying for miracles, guys. (laughs) Miracles, by definition, stuff like this, is one in a million, right? I mean, if we are coming up with something we cannot do for ourselves, I presume that we are... We tried. Things like chronic fatigue syndrome, things like finding a job we are excited to work for who will pay for your visa too. I mean, it's like, yeah, let's ask for winning a lottery. You know, Powerball. It's one in 300 million. And so, you know, odds are, let's just face it, the odds are if you pray for this kind of stuff, the odds are you're not going to get it. It's one in a million. 99.999% of the time, you won't get it. Can we agree on that? Can we? And yet we still ask you to do this. Why? Why would we do that? Why would he ask you to pray for something that just isn't going to happen? You know, maybe one in a million. Why? Well, one, it's not one in a million. During this season, we get lots and lots of stories like this. I mean, we're a church of like 200 people. And we get lots of stories like this. And so you kind of think, it is not one in a million. <laughs> it should be one in a million, but for some reason, it becomes like one in five. That's incredible. That's worth going for. I mean, if I told you that you could win a Powerball and the odds are one in five, would you go and do it? I would. Right? That's incredible. Right? So it's worth doing. And, but still, you're still one in five, one in ten. Still the odds are against you, right? However, it's one more miracle than you would have experienced otherwise. So what's the downside here, right? The downside comes if you approach it wrong. If you kind of like go, oh, if this prayer doesn't get answered, then God doesn't exist. If this prayer doesn't, if this miracle doesn't come through, then it's all a hoax. Well, if you have that kind of attitude, then don't do it because it's one in a million, guys. So you're setting God up, (laughs) right? God is not a prayer-answering vending machine. You can't approach God like, if you don't do this for me, then I'm just going to you know, hate you. I mean, how, what kind of way is that to treat? I mean, God is a person. You don't treat a person like that, right? It's very disrespectful. So we don't do that. We ask you to hold it lightly. Relax, okay? You are not going to get this anyway. Right? So what's there to lose? A bit of time praying? What an awful thing to do. A bit of time praying. What a risk. No. I mean, it costs you nothing. Just pray a little bit because it's good for your soul. Every time you pray, it changes your soul. Whether the outcome happens the way you want it or not, it will help your soul to grow, to pray a little bit. 
Is that such a hard thing? No, right? You got nothing to lose. I mean, prayers answered are great, but let's face it. As soon as one challenge passes, another one comes. As soon as you get answered to one prayer, another prayer item comes up. Isn't that true? So what's even more precious is for you to change. For some kind of inner soul growth that helps you to face these challenges. Now that's really precious. That's an even bigger prize. And that's what we want to We want you to experience, even as you pray for your big ask, we want you to experience inner transformation. And so this year, we are focusing on the Sermon on the Mount for inner transformation. Have you heard of Sermon on the Mount? It is the most famous sermon Jesus gave. It is the most comprehensive sermon he gave. It is the longest sermon he gave. And he rewrites the book. He actually says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, he's actually telegraphing to us, I am rewriting the book. I am rewriting what it means to follow God. I am rewriting what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, a disciple of God. Because he goes way beyond anything you might have thought of as a moral or ethical system. I mean, turn the other cheek. Love your enemies? (laughs) That goes beyond being a good person. Don't you think? I mean, how do you ask such things? What will happen to your life? This requires faith. This is like a, a, a radical new way of approaching life that nobody has ever asked anybody else to do. It's a, a crazy stuff to some extent. However, however, if we can follow this roadmap, it will turn our lives upside down. It will make it powerful, joyful. It will turn us radiant. It is a roadmap for new creation life. That will give you the power to face down any challenges that come your way. Specifically, Jesus mentioned six things that we want to focus on during this season. He mentions living life, spin-free, judgment-free, despair-free, status-free, exclusion-free, and anxiety-free in this sermon. It's a very attractive and compelling vision of what life can become. And each of these six weeks, we are going to focus on each of these themes. And so, for example, first week, we're going to focus on spin-free. Next week, we're going to focus on judgment-free. And so, you can actually jump in at any of these weeks. Because there is a specific theme for each week. Make sense? Right? And so, it's going to be really fun to uh, live like this. Doesn't that look attractive? It's an incredibly attractive vision of what life can be. Our lives can turn radiant if we can do this. Alright, so if you're game for this, I strongly encourage you to download our church app. We have a River NYC app. How many of you have it? Most of us, yes. Well, on the app, 
and the website, you can find our daily guide. And you can get our app, go into iTunes or you know, Android, you just download it. It's easy. Daily guide is the best way to engage the 40 days of faith because every week, every day, it will help you to kind of ground yourself and know what to do. It's a short section of what to think about. Usually will contain a, a passage and some reflection questions and how to engage with our faith experiment. Yeah? And the, our app will also contain a family dinner liturgy that Caroline is, is worked on. And so as a family, you can just do this once a week or every day if you like. But at least once a week, you can just do it together and it's going to be very good. Okay? So our website, our app, it will have our daily guide. All right, so let's get to the first week's theme, spin-free life. Spin-free life. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Right? Just be straightforward. No spin. For whatever is more than these is from the devil. From the devil. Have you noticed that? Now, that's strong language, don't you think? You might even say, that seems overly dramatic. From the devil? I mean, what's wrong with a little spin? Right? I mean, we, yeah, we give answers. We say yes or we say no, but, you know, we give a little spin to these things, don't we? We all do that. Yes, but blah, 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 and, and we present things as we like, right? And so how is this from the devil? It's not like outright lying. What's wrong with little spin? Have you thought about that? That we all have a little spin, right? I mean, we all put on masks and it seems to really work well. Right? It seems to work really well for the powerful, for the rich, for the famous. Right? Facebook, Instagram, isn't that all spin? When we look at these posts, right? I mean, our president, it's worked out pretty well for him, spinning things. Right? And politically, I, mean, I don't want to get into politics, but politically speaking, everything is spin, right? It's from the devil? What's that about? Strong warning. Well, I believe it's not just, I believe Jesus is not just talking about a little moral imperfections, a little cosmetic lies. I believe spin and image making is dangerous because it's all about putting on a mask. Putting on a mask. And once we start putting on masks and spinning things, it can become a habit. And the mask we put on becomes a persona. And that can get really dangerous. Did you know that persona is a Latin word that means a theatrical mask? A persona is these masks that the actors put on to act things out. It's not who they are. It's these masks. But now, persona means this. 
doesn't mean a theatrical mask, the aspect of someone's character that is presented to or perceived by others. So in other words, our persona is something that we present to the world. That's whenever someone interacts with you, whenever someone perceives you and thinks about you, they perceive and think about you through your persona. That's what this means, right? And if we are not careful, the mask can become melded to our face to such an extent you can actually lose touch with your true face. If you are putting on persona too much, then you just lose touch altogether with who you really are inside. You don't know who you are inside anymore because all you know is your persona. That's all you've been working on presenting. So it's not just that others are interacting with you through your persona. You are starting to interact with yourself through your persona. And at that point, you lose touch or you lose ability to have genuine connection at all. Because every connection and interaction you have is through your persona. So nothing is real anymore. And that way you can get lost. You can get unmoored. You can become very confused about what you really want in life. Your life can become all about pursuing success after success, achievements, approvals, and going for moments of gratification. And then you end up feeling very empty inside. You're like, I'm succeeding. I'm doing pretty well. I came to New York. I'm making it. But for some reason, I'm deeply unhappy. And I don't know how to get better. Because you got so lost. This is a very common story, actually. Right? And this happens because we have lost touch with what will really fulfill us deep inside. Because we don't know who we are anymore. And that is a truly, truly dangerous thing. And that is from the devil. That is the devil's specialty, actually, making stuff like that happen. So does that begin to start to make sense now? Yeah? The danger of this. And so, in light of the fact that the whole world is swimming in spin these days, have you heard of this famous quote? Image is everything. If image is everything, then who you really are is nothing. Right? Right. Very good. Smart kid. You know, bright future for you. And so... Let's try living spin-free this week. I mean, as a first practical suggestion, can we try to fast from spin this week? Create a spin-free zone? I know it's going to be easy for you because at your age, you know, you haven't really learned (laughs) how to do this very well. But, you know, for the rest of us, can we try to create a spin-free zone? I mean, Lent is is famous for fasting, right? 
And yeah, do fast. I'm fasting from sweets for the next 40 days. Yeah, do that. Stuff like that. But try to fast from the theme of the week, week to week to week. And this week, it's spin. So what would that look like? Well, on your Facebook, on your Instagram, you know, the posts you put up. Well, try not to put any spin on. And also, try not to consume too much spin. There's so much spin out there, right? In fact, we seem to want it that way. These days, everything we don't like, that's just fake news. Right? If we don't like it, whether you're liberal or conservative, we seem to have like congregated into our own ecosystem and never the two shall meet. Right? We are either only consuming MSNBC and HuffPost because watching Fox News probably will raise your blood pressure and probably not good for your health. Right? Or vice versa. Right? Well, it's all somewhat spinned up. It has to be because it's the same event we are looking at, but the two sides come up with diametrically opposite meaning. And so it's spin. And it's good to realize that. So for this week, try to refrain from your favorite social you know, media or news outlets. Maybe even watch the other side stuff. God forbid, I know. You know, I know this is just incredibly hard for you to do, but maybe you can do it for Jesus for this week. It's your spiritual discipline to go the other way if you're going to go. Just to see how things are spun. Because you will see, because if you are liberal, you will watch Fox News and you will go, oh my God, that's so spinned up. How could they say such crazy stuff? It's crap, right? Or vice versa, right? You will be able to see that it's spun. But you will see your own stuff and you'll just go, oh yeah, that's just truth. Amen. Hallelujah. That's just truth. Preach it, right? So while you are in your own ecosystem, you cannot see the spin. So go to the other side because it will like open your eyes. Okay? And then try to like look at from that side as you go to your own ecosystem and you'll, you see, you're trying to become more aware of how spin has, has infiltrated everything in our lives. We need more alignment. We need to, we need to align our persona with what's really going on. Now, so, so, so be more honest this week. You know, try not to, you know, just spin things so, so that things will be to your advantage. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that just blurt out whatever pops into your head. Right? I mean, I had a friend like this in college. He was famous for having no filter between his brain and his mouth. He would say things like, Oh, you look ugly today. What happened to you? Right? He would say, You know, I really think you're stupid. You know? I I mean, it would be just like, What the heck? Well, who is this guy? Right? And he was a, a devout Christian. And he just saying, No... No, that's not integrity. That's just being rude. 
That's just being lazy. I mean, we need to be able to say things in a way that builds people up. That's loving, right? So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, and what Jesus is talking about is calculated moves to spin things so that things work to your advantage. Because that can get you lost. It's not about, you know, being kind by saying things in a kind way. It's about losing touch with what's really inside and what's really true. Do you see the difference? Okay? So, what we, what we are asking you, encouraging you to really learn and work on is understanding what's really going on inside and how it differs in your life and interactions out there. One way to help you do that is another practical suggestion here is to identify the areas where your persona is different from one setting to another. Again, I'm not trying to say your persona has to be same everywhere. How you act at home is probably inappropriate for your work setting. Right? Yes, you should be a little more relaxed at home and a little more professional at work. However, understanding how you present different personas and why it happens and how you do it, that can help you. That can help you understand yourself. And that's my third suggestion, knowing oneself. Know yourself. That's a critical, critical task in Christian spirituality. Knowing oneself. You cannot do the greatest commandment if you don't know yourself. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself if you have lost touch with yourself. If you hate yourself, you cannot love others. Because it's love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't say love your neighbor and hate yourself. He said love your neighbor as yourself. Love yourself is what flows out. Do you see what I'm saying? And so you have to know yourself. Socrates said it is the foundational first step to living a life worth living is to know yourself. And we need to know this. We need to work on that. And the big part of this, knowing oneself, is to know your values. To know your values. I mean, it's good to know your taste, your preferences, your likes and dislikes, to know what's in there. But those things change. As you grow older, as time passes, your preferences change. Your likes and dislikes change. But your values, the deepest held values that make up who you are, should not change. Cannot change. God is love. That is a value that cannot change, should not change. What is the loving thing to do here? I have never regretted asking that question. It is an unfailing guide and light in your life. However, how you... express love, how you receive love, how you uh, process it, that is unique to who you are. That's a gift from God that makes you your unique individual. 
And so it's worth kind of going deeper into what are my deepest values and how do I express them in my own way? Can we just take 15, 20 seconds just to reflect on that question? What are my deepest values and how do I like to receive them and express them? Yeah? Can we just take 20, 30 seconds to do that right now? Thanks for doing that. I encourage you this week to ask this question every day. What are my deepest values and how do I receive and express them? This is an important thing because we need to align our life to our values. We need to live out of our deepest values. That is authenticity. That is integrity. Authenticity is not just blurting out whatever pops into our head. This is authenticity to live consistent with our deepest held values. That is being spin free. That is being letting your yes be yes and no be no. What is deep inside us that cries out this is yes and this is no, it's the values that tells us that. And to live by that will bring you truly fulfilling life. Without it, you can never have fulfillment. So this is worth pursuing and thinking about and pushing deep into. Amen? So this week, try to do that. Alright, so 40 days of faith. We're trying to become spin-free, judgment-free, despair-free, anxiety-free. We're trying to become a bigger soul. This is our goal. To help all of us become more and more radiant, faith-filled people of God. And I want us to pray for that. Pray for your soul to change and pray for our church, this whole community to change together. This is not a This shouldn't be just an individual personal exercise. You know, just to ask for a big ask, just to ask for our own soul to change. We need our church to change. We need our church to grow. And we need the whole world to change. And we need the whole world to grow. The whole world needs to become more and more spin free rather than more and more filled with spin. And we have a role to play. We have... The church was built by Jesus to bring those kinds of changes to the whole world. And by being part of it, we ourselves change. We can't just change on our own. We're not built that way. And so I want us to pray for our church during this season. That's the third thing we're asking you to pray for. Pray for the river this season because this is a critical season. For our church. We are. We're sort of a unique fish. We're not your standard church. Have you noticed that? (laughs) You know. You look out there. You can go to a Catholic church. You can go to a a mainline church. You can go to an evangelical church. By the way. We have an evangelical background. Or we can go to like those power-filled Pentecostal church. 
And they all have their unique distinctives. Right? Do you know what I'm talking about? They all do. We are kind of a unique fish in that. We don't really fit any of the categories. We... Let me tell you five categories, five things, five statements that we have come up with that sort of describes our church, that I think captures our uniqueness. Let's, let's see if you agree with these, that, that you agree that this is kind of describes our church. One, the river is a diverse, open, and inclusive church in the heart of downtown Manhattan. Right? I mean, it's sort of a diverse church, don't you agree? It's diverse in every kind of way that, I mean, not every kind, but a lot of ways that I can think of. Race, status, uh, sexual orientations, so many different things. And that is, I would say that is unique. Martin Luther King said famously that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. It's true. Most churches you go to, they will be similar people. Very similar. But we are diverse. And I believe this reflects the heart of God. The kingdom of God is diverse. The kingdom of God is not unicolor. The Bible makes that very clear. I don't understand why the churches are not reflecting that, actually. Why are we building walls by congregating with people who just look like us and think like us? Because that will lead to spin. That will lead to your own ecosystems. You won't even see it. It's only by seeing different perspectives that you see the spin in you. Diversity. Unique strength in our church. Very powerful, I believe. Not popular. I mean, very not popular. But it is the kingdom of God. Second, the river believes God is love and Jesus is good news to everyone, everywhere, at all times. I would say this is, again, not a very common trait. Jesus seems to be bad news to different groups of people. Don't you agree? The way that the church presents it, Jesus has been bad news to different groups of people that have been oppressed historically. And I can go on and on and on in church history with that. But that is not the heart of God. Church needs to represent the heart of God which says we are good news to everyone at all times. Very powerful principle. Amen? Amen. Amen. Third, the river believes God is moving the church forward. We place no limitations on women in leadership. You know, this is like something that really, really bothers me. And I'm going to speak to you from my heart today because we are spin-free today. It's preaching. I have to be very careful. But today, I'm going to just let it out. I am so mad about this. I mean, absolute majority of the church believes, seems to believe and propagate and teach subconsciously or consciously that women cannot lead. 80% our Christians are probably Catholics. No Pope can be woman. No woman can be Pope. Ever. Excuse my language. What the hell? Sorry. No woman can be priest. Women cannot lead. 
And even outside that, so many churches in New York City seem to believe this, teach this. And and many, many women go there and support these churches. And I kind of think, you know, in any other setting, if at your work, or at government, or in any school, in any other setting, if an organization said, you know what, our CEO cannot ever be women, because we really don't believe women can lead. Women cannot be in leadership position, because, you know, men and women, they're complementary. Men have their role, women have their role. Very, very popular church teaching. In any other setting, wouldn't you say that's crazy talk? In any other setting, wouldn't you say that's just, wow, that's not right. That's going to like set people back. That's not loving. That's, that's not good. Wouldn't you say even that sounds evil almost? Yeah. Right? But in church setting, that's pr- supposed to be preaching good. That's supposed to be moving us forward. It's supposed to be about a moral, spiritual organization. This is very popular. And it is supported. What are we thinking? Do we think it doesn't affect the world if we we just go to church and we support? Oh, it's just church. They do crazy things anyway. Right? Isn't that kind of what we are thinking? They just do crazy things there. And so, you know, it's just church. It just gets contained there. So it's okay, as long as it doesn't spill over to, like, my workplace. If my promotion gets in the way, then I'm going to get upset. But in church, I'm going to support that. Folks, it's going to affect you. It does spill over. Because it is a moral, spiritual foundation of our culture. It does. So why are we supporting all that? And and as Christians, saying that is God. It is not. There is no male or female in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. God made male and female in His image. We all bear the image of God. Women here, you are equal to men in every way. You can lead. Why the heck not? Right? So don't let anyone tell you any different. That's crazy talk. Yes? Amen? We agreed? We welcome and fully affirm LGBTQ persons. Gosh, I'm running out of time, so let's not go. I mean, we, we do, okay? Because God is love. You know, we are all, I mean, it's just, let's don't, let just. We embrace science and scholarship. We don't ask you to check your brain at the door to come here. You don't. You don't have to believe like irrational stuff to have faith. God is is for every truth. For God is truth. You don't have to believe in falsehood to have faith. As rare as that seems. Because the churches that seem to really believe in vibrant faith and God at work in our lives, and it is true, God is at work in our lives. God is alive. God is powerfully present. But God is not against science. It seems like the two don't go together in so many places. But here they do. And you can ask me questions at any time. We'll talk. 
third, uh, we avoid political parties. There are many unique things about our church that I believe makes us powerful. That are conversation starters, in fact, that you can bring to other people. I think this church is worth building because of these things. The river aims to create safe space where we can have actual experience of the living God. The river is casual and lively because it's not about outward image. God looks at the heart. And, and I think this is a great, great stuff. Don't you agree? But unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be very popular. You know? And so this season, we want to get this out there to the city and see if a church built on these things actually has some traction. Are there people out there in New York City who really are looking for a church like this or not? Maybe, maybe, maybe we're just delusional and think this is the way to go. We don't know. We're small, but we think we need to grow. We think we need to grow and spread so that the world can change. Because that is our mandate from the Lord. To grow and spread the gospel, the good news. That God is for you in every way. And this is the way that I think the world needs to change. Would you agree? So help us grow during this season. Pray and share And start conversations with your friends and family about what faith can be. It can be like this. And it's powerful. There are all kinds of videos that have been produced that are on our website at this point. It's on. Yay. As of yesterday. We have a ton of them. And they're going to start going out this week. Help us by sharing them. Help us. by starting conversations with these videos. There are going to be shorter videos and longer videos, 10-second videos and minute and a half videos. I'm going to show you, I want to show you a few today. All right? Can we see some of the videos that we, I want you to share? The sermon is a little long, but bear with me. Here we go. This is the first church where I felt comfortable being me. I think the river has taught me that There is no perfect Christian, and I am actually a perfect Christian, just as I am. It's the best expression of the body of Christ that I've ever experienced. Everyone's so relaxed. Um, I don't have to worry if I'm late or um, if I am saying or doing the, the right thing, per se. I don't think about coming to the
find their own journeys with God. They run in the doors from straight up burger meat. They love it. They are begging us to go before we even get here. So that's also obviously very important that our kids enjoy coming here. They're learning a lot. They teach us things. We're giving them a lot of space to explore. It's just such a beautiful place for um, me as an individual, us as a couple. Every time you see Lena, just run away from us. That book is a family, but a really special place to be. We just love how River Kids really encourages kids to get to know God in a personal way, and Jesus is their friend. I would say it's less indoctrinating children and more of allowing them the space to make that decision themselves. We don't just think about how to help them believe in God now, but that we want to prepare them so that they continue their journeys as they grow older. So it's not just about giving them a good time, but it's also about who do we want them to be, what do we want them to be like in 20 years from now. Okay, one more. When I moved to New York City, I was in the middle of uh, a spiritual search. I'd been in a faith crisis for over 10 years since uh, a divorce and since coming to terms with the fact that I'm gay. For a while, I didn't attend church at all because the entire concept was so painful to me. When I found the river, it was an enormous blessing to me that fully embraced me and affirmed me as an LGBT Christian. Since I've come to the river, I've found a new and personal relationship with God that I was looking for for a really long time. I love pastors of the river for how they have created a body that is so loving and welcoming and open. And they did that at enormous cost to themselves. It's the best expression of the body of Christ that I've ever experienced. Isn't that so moving? It's powerful. It's powerful. We have a whole bunch. So go look at them. You can look at them through on our website. Uh, this is where they are. Um, those are the web page. And uh, the links to these videos can also be found on our daily guide, River NYC app. So start conversations with these videos. Share them. I, I really believe this church can and should grow and needs to. And this is the season we're going to ask the question, can it grow? Can it go this grow and change and do this 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 next season? This is the season to do this. Is this time? Is it time for a, a community of faith like this? Or not? That's up to God. But it's also up to us. Don't you think? So I want us to come together and try to grow this church. Shall we? So these are the goals of this season.
Sounds good? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you are alive and real, and you are moving humanity forward, and that you are good news to all people everywhere. And thank you for our church community. Thank you for this vision that you have given us of what is the true gospel, and what is faith, and what you are up to in this world. And we want to be part of that, Lord. We want to be part of the story of God. We want to be part of growing as a person, as a church, for ourselves and for our neighbors and for this world. Holy Spirit, come and move powerfully in our midst. And we may see your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.